Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's God's word. Let's, uh, let's welcome Pastor Francis with us. morning. Uh, it's a pleasure for me to, to be here. I think this is probably my second time. Uh, last time I was here was when your pastor got ordained. I know it was in the other church building. Um, but um, I'm also aware that he is away on missions. I, I come out because uh, Sam is one of my backup preachers as well. You know, when I'm out, you know, we kind of switch back and forth. My church is in Jersey. His church is here. And so uh, I've known him. He's actually uh, probably close to my brother's age, uh, but nevertheless, he's been a faithful friend and uh, also a great resource for me. And so it's a pleasure and an honor for me to give God's word for you tonight uh, or today. And so I decided, well, maybe if I can try and kill two birds with one stone, uh, now that he is away for missions, I know he said you're doing something about reformation. Um, I'm going to take a break from that and uh, just kind of look at this famous passage that you've heard before, just sort of as a reminder, but also as an encouragement for all of us here, whether or not you here are on missions or not. Um, as we come to this famous passage, just to be reminded, we need to be thoughtful and to be reminded not to lose the basics. I don't know how long Good News Church in New York City has been around, we're, we've just passed our 10th year, and uh, it's just by God's grace, I think, we're still around. But if for some reason you move on from this church, if for some reason God says this church should be no more, or if for some reason you end up living and dying with this church, that I hope you and I, that we Remember what Jesus says here in these few verses, because it's important. Jesus says a lot of important things, but in the Gospel of Matthew, he ends with this. This is one of the last important things that Jesus says. And so as you look at verses 18 to verse 20, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start from the middle of this passage, and then I'm going to move outwards to the ends of this passage, the bookends. So I'll start from the middle, and then we'll move our way out to the bookends. Because for some of us, there's good news here. But for all of us, there's even greater news. Jesus is talking to 12 guys, the apostles. He's going to go away. He's not coming back for a while. And so before he goes, he gives this little band of brothers something to do. He says there in verse 19, he says, go. He says, I came, I went to the cross, I came out of the grave, and now I'm going to the Father. Now you, you go. And as you go, I want you to do at least three things. He says three things. Number one, disciple all the nations. Number two, baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And number three, teach them everything I've commanded. 
Now, I don't want to spend too much time here because I know you've heard many sermons about uh, the Great Commission, but I just want you to notice a few things here. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say just go out and make converts. He doesn't say just go and get people to make a confession of Christ. He says make disciples. Making converts, making a confession, that's important. But that's the beginning. Jesus wants more. He doesn't just want a bunch of converts. He wants disciples. Now, what's a disciple? Well, it can be a lot of things, but it's at least this. It's not just someone who makes a confession. And it's not just someone who puts it on their profile page on Coffee Meets Bagel. Okay? But simply put, it's someone who follows Jesus. Not just says it, but he also does it. He walks with Jesus Christ. A disciple is someone who is growing, who is looking, who is living for this Lord and Savior, who they confess has saved their lives. So to make a disciple means to help people grow and walk and live in Jesus Christ. I remember when I was in seminary some 20 years ago, uh, I, I had a seminary sticker on the back of my Honda Civic. And, and you know, when you're that age and you're young, you, you're just excited about everything, especially about sharing your faith. And I was driving to this retreat, and I had to get some gas. And uh, it was in the middle of nowhere, somewhere, I think, in Pennsylvania. And this, this elderly gentleman comes out to, to pump the gas, and he sees the sticker on my, on my car, and he says, what is this? Now, you know me, I, I, I just kind of want to get to the retreat, hurry up and fill my gas, let's just go, right? It's kind of a, a New York thing. But, but he just kept asking, what, what, what does this sticker mean? And so, okay, so this guy wants to talk about what I do, right? So I said, okay, I, I go to seminary. And then he says, what, what's that? And I said, well, it's where, where students go to, to train in the Bible, to learn about the Bible and to learn about God and Jesus. And, you know, and I just, just went on about it. But he kept asking me more questions. And so here it is. God has put in front of me someone who is interested in the faith, and I'm just sort of thrown in there. And so I take time out. I step out of my car, and I'm sharing with him this faith. About 15 minutes, 20 minutes later, I get him to confess Christ. Okay? And in my mind, you know what I'm thinking? Yes. One mark down. And I quickly get in my car. And I say, okay, it was nice meeting you. And I drive off to the retreat. And as I was driving off, thinking about how excited I was, the fact that I got to share my faith, I just thought about it. Like, what is that guy going to do after I go? <laughs> right? I mean, he just confessed his faith. But wh- where is he going to go? Um, how is he going to grow? What, where, where, is, where is he going to go for church? I didn't even think about these things. I was just happy to get a confession. Jesus wants disciples. And it's possible, it's possible to make a confession but not be a disciple. To be a disciple takes some commitment. It takes some discipline. And so Jesus tells these guys, you go and you make disciples. Of who? All the nations, right? Not just the Jews, not just Koreans, not just your friends, but everyone. Second thing he says to do is baptize. That's a sacrament, okay? Infant baptism, adult baptism, baptism, it's a spiritual thing. Now, just to put it this way, baptism means this, you're a part of the family. That's all it means. It's a sign and seal to say, hey, you're a part of the body of Christ. You're a part of the family of Jesus Christ. That's what baptism means, okay? So make disciples and baptize. And thirdly, he says, teach. Teach them everything 
from the word of God. Okay? So there you go. That's the middle of the passage. That's what he gives these guys to do. Be a follower of Jesus. Make followers of Christ. Disciple, right? Help them to be in the family of Christ. Baptism. According to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Teaching everything that he said. That's what it is. That's Jesus' commission. And he gives them this mission. He says, you go out and you do these things. Now at this point, if you're still with me, you might be thinking, okay, so this sermon is about missions and evangelism. Uh, you know, one of those guys that wants to go out to do this, like your pastor who's out there and somewhere in the Middle East, I don't know where he is. Uh, you go out to the foreign country, you know, you do a lot of nice things for less fortunate people. You, you knock on doors, maybe do a VBS, you hand out pamphlets and you talk about Jesus. Is this that missions thing? Is this a mission sermon? So maybe you, some of you here, you're, you're tuning out because you're thinking, you know, that, that's nice, but I'm not one of those guys. I, I'm not planning to be a missionary, uh, and I'm not going to be a pastor either. I'm not going to be one. I'm not going to marry one. And so this sermon, this Great Commission, it has little to do with me. Now, that's some of you. Then here might be some good news. Okay, two things I just want to mention from this passage. First, this mission... Right? This great commission as we know it isn't given to you. It isn't given to you. At least first. Who is Jesus talking to? He's not talking to the crowds of people that are always following him around. He's talking to 12 guys. He didn't say this to everyone. He said it to a few. Now think about this. Can everyone disciple? Maybe. Can, can everyone teach? Preach? Maybe. Can everyone baptize? Yeah, I'm not sure about that one. But the point is, Jesus isn't commissioning everyone here. He's commissioning 12 guys, and they've got a special role, a special place. They're called apostles. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, is everyone an apostle? No. So if you thought this was about telling you to go out and do missions because Jesus said so, you might breathe a sigh of relief. He's not talking to you first. He's talking to these 12 guys. Okay? Now stick with me here because there's a second point there. What's so special about these 12 guys? They're apostles. They're the ear and eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ, which simply means messengers. They've seen and they've heard this person, Jesus Christ. That's why when you read the Gospel of John, how does he open his letter? In 1 John chapter 1, that which was from the beginning, that which we have heard, that which we have seen with our eyes, that which we have looked and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, we proclaim to you. So who they are is special, but what they did was also special. Now follow me. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul says this, that the church was built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. So what the apostles were doing is this. They were laying the foundation of the New Testament church with Jesus as the cornerstone. Now when you lay a foundation, once you lay it down, it doesn't need to be laid down again. That's why it's a foundation. It's a very special part. Everything else is built on a foundation. In other words, the apostles built the New Testament church. Why? Because there weren't any churches. And how are they going to do this? 
among other things, by discipling, by baptizing, by teaching and preaching. Do you see this? Jesus commissioned these 12 not just to do any kind of missions. They were commissioned to build God's church. The Great Commission is not first about missions. The mission is the church. Jesus wasn't talking just about making new converts, and he wasn't talking just about getting a confession. He was talking about making new churches filled with disciples. The Great Commission is given to the church. It's about the church, and it's for the church. Think about this for a minute. If Jesus didn't give this mission to these 12 guys, you wouldn't have a church today. You wouldn't even be in a church. You wouldn't start a church in a a vacuum. You stand, Good News Church stands on the foundation laid down for us by the apostles and Jesus Christ as our cornerstone. Now that says something about how Jesus sees your church. If this commission was one of the most important last things he said, it's probably because the church is a priority in his heart. It's important, and it ought to be important, your local church. It's not just about trying to be a good Christian wherever you go. It's also about being a good Christian who belongs to his church wherever you go. Those things were never meant to be separated. It was so important that later on, even St. Augustine says that if you don't have church as your mother, you may not have God as your father. And practically it means this. At worst, it means you can't be a Christian without the church. At best, it'd be very difficult to be a Christian without the church. Isn't that what your pastor's doing out there right now? He's helping to build church. So you think about it this way then. Does the Great Commission have anything to do with you today? It was given to the 12 apostles... But just because you're not going on missions doesn't mean you have nothing to do with this. Because if it's about the church, then it has everything to do with you today. Isn't it interesting that historically, even though there's a lot of things churches can do, there are at least three things, three marks of the true church. Church discipline, the sacraments, and the preaching of the word. Those are the basics. But where do you think they come from? The Great Commission. When you come to church, when you belong to church, you participate directly or indirectly with Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. You are a participant of those three things every week. How can you say that the Great Commission is irrelevant to you today? If the Great Commission is about building church, then you're one of the building blocks on which this church is built. Now I'll be the first to confess, even as I look at my own people, some of those blocks, they've got some serious holes. Okay, They've got some defects, but thank God we're still here. Not because the blocks are so good, but because we stand on a firm foundation that's already been laid out for us through the apostles with Jesus Christ as our cornerstone. And so what we need to do is to keep building. Because each one of you has a part in building this church. 
It's not done. It still needs building. We need more blocks. We need stronger blocks. And the way we do that, generally speaking, is doing what's been given to us by learning to follow Jesus, discipleship, becoming a functional part of his family, baptism and communion, according to the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching and preaching. Don't ever think that the Great Commission has nothing to do with you. It may not have been given to you directly, but has everything to do with you, at least indirectly, as you belong to a church. You may not feel like you can officially discipline anyone in the church, but you can encourage people to grow and follow Jesus, even if it's with your own actions. You may not be legitimately able to baptize anyone, but you can help people around you make them feel like they're part of the family of God, the body of Christ. And you might not be the one officially preaching and teaching God's word, but you can, in your own words, encourage, build up one another's faith, and yes, even share your own faith with others around you. You may not be very missions-minded, and by the way, if you're not, there's something wrong with that, but you in the church, you have a mission in your own way to build the church, to disciple, to shape, to encourage and raise your children in the faith, your family, your friends, other members, to be followers of Christ, to let them know that they too can or are a part of the body of Christ, and to encourage them with words of grace and mercy and forgiveness and comfort at church at home, at work, and wherever you go. The point is, just go. Take initiative. Do it. Now, I know some of you feel like you're not there. You might feel like, well, I'm sort of younger in the faith. I have a lot of questions about Christianity or the church. Um, And some of you may still not be sure. Netflix has this, uh, I guess, sports documentary called Last Chance You. I don't know if you've seen it. I saw in the first season, the second season just came out. Uh, if you like sports documentary, it's pretty cool. But there's, there's this one, uh, I guess, uh, hopeful there who's a linebacker. And it's kind of encouraging. Uh, before he goes out to play, you know, the coach says, hey, I need you to block that passer. I need you to block that passer. And the, and the player goes, I got you, coach. I got you, coach. I got you, coach. And it's just, you know, if I was the coach, I think it would be so encouraging to have people like that. You know, it must have felt really encouraged by that. Um, Let me ask you, how do you think these 12 guys felt when Jesus told them, I want you to go do these things? Did they say to Jesus, Jesus, I got you, coach. I got you. Don't worry. I got you. Right? Did Jesus have any confidence in these guys? I don't think that's how these guys responded. They were an ordinary, unimpressive men, probably many of them blue-collar uh, fishermen, probably. I, I think they, they felt like some of, some of you do when you're asked to pray out loud in front of a large group of people, right? Uh, for once in my church, I wish I could get a person to just, just be able to pray out loud in front of all these people because they're, they're just kind of introverted or they're just kind of shy. When I ask people to pray in church, they're like this. <gasps> What do, I, what do I say? What do I say? I wish they would say to me, I got you, pastor. I got you, pastor, right? And I'm just going just to do it. But these disciples, I don't think they were that confident. I think that they were unsure, maybe even a little scared. Go, make disciples, teach, baptize. 
I think they're thinking, where are you going to go, Jesus? Where are you going to go? How am I going to build a church? Who's going to listen to me? How am I going to overcome these obstacles? Uh, maybe I'm an introvert. I'm not an extrovert. I have a hard time just taking care of my own issues. How am I going to do all this? I don't think I can. I don't think I know if I'm ready. I'm, I'm not sure if I have what it takes. If that's you, then this is the greater news for everyone. This is why Jesus gives the commission the way he does. Look at our passage. In verse 19, he says, Go therefore. He says, Go therefore. He doesn't just tell them to do something, but he says, Therefore, go. Now, my professor has always said this every time you're in the Bible, you see the word therefore, you've got to ask, What is it therefore? And what it means is this. Because something is true, because something is the case, therefore, you go and do these things. Look at the way Jesus frames what he tells them to do. The book ends of this great commission. Verse 18, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And at the end, verse 20, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And in the middle, you do these things. Look, in the beginning, all power has been given to me. At the end, I'm with you. All power and authority, and I'm with you. In the middle, do this. Growing up uh, as a young kid, I was bullied a lot. Bullying is is a real big taboo. My kids are in high school now. Uh, And so they always tell me that there's a big, strong, I guess, awareness of bullying. But back when I was growing up, nobody cared. Everyone got bullied. And I still remember, you know, in elementary school, there was this one bully. Every day after school, this bully would make me and my friends, or my friends and I, to come out, go behind the bleachers. And the bully would have this huge brick, make us stand in line. And one by one, she would ask us, this question, who's your master? Yeah, that's right, I said she. She was a girl, okay? Who's your master? And one by one, we'd have to say, you are. I was at the end of the line, and you know, when little kids, when you cry so much, you know how they can't talk? That was me. Who's your master? You know, I was in tears. My friends were watching, they're just, just say it, just say it, just say it. And I finally just spill it out. I, I, was, I was tortured for a long time, at least for a few months, by this one girl. Okay? But I remember clearly one day during recess, on the asphalt, every recess I was nervous because I'd always look for this girl and try to stay away. But as I see her during this recess time, she sees me and she starts coming towards me. I'm like, oh no, here she comes. I felt so scared. There was a kid in our class named Brian McKinstry. I still remember him. He was the cool kid because he wore a leather jacket to school every day. That's what I thought was so cool. He sees this girl coming towards me, and he sees me all afraid. From far away, this kid goes, Francis, I'm coming. And he started running towards us. And literally, the whole thing was like a, a slow motion out of the movies. And he ran, and he jumped, and he tackled this girl down to the ground. And he goes, you leave my friend alone. 
And I'm watching this as a young kid, and I'm thinking, yes, yes, yes. The teachers had to come out and separate us. It, it didn't look good. Two boys, like, beating up on a girl. But I'm like, no, she's the bully. She's the one. Let me tell you what. Every day after that, I made sure I was with Brian McKinstry. <laughs> right? Because when I was with Brian, that girl would not come near me. When I was with Brian, I felt like I could do everything. I could go to the jungle gym and play without any fear and worry about any kind of worry, you know, about being bullied or whatever the case. I made sure Brian was with me. I've got all authority in heaven and earth. And I'm with you till the end of the age. What's that like? If you've got all power and authority, you can't fail. And if he's with you wherever you go, what should that be like? All that Jesus wants these disciples to do is framed, sandwiched between these two very important encouraging truths. The first, I've got all the authority. The second, I'm with you. Jesus has all the power and authority in heaven and earth, and he's with you. And the reason he can say this is because he lived a life for you, then he gave his life for you, he paid for your sins, he was raised on the third day to new life, now he's going away to sit at the right hand of God to reign as a king for you, so that he can say, I've given you this power in heaven and earth, and what he gives you is his spirit that unites him to himself and says, I'm with you till the end of the age, I will never leave you no matter what. Do you see what I'm saying here? It's not the disciples who say to Jesus, I got you, coach. I got you, coach. It's Jesus. Jesus is saying to the disciples, you don't worry. I got you. I got you. I've got all the power. You can never fail. And I'm never going to leave you. I've got you. How encouraging is that? Not just for the disciples, but for us. Verse 18, I've got all the authority. Verse 20, I'm with you. Now, in the middle is the Great Commission. Let's move that out. How about raising your children? How am I going to raise my kids? How am I going to be a good parent or a good mother? How am I a father? How am I going to do this? How am I going to get them into the best school? How am I going to provide the most? I don't know if I could do this. I've got all the authority, and I'm with you. In the middle, work. Work is so hard. I can't take this manager. I can't work with these people. I don't know how long I'm going to to be able to last in this situation. I don't know if I can find another job. I don't know if there is anything out there for me. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I've got all the power and authority. I'm with you. There's these difficult things in my family and my relationships right now. I don't know if I could overcome them. I don't know if I'll be able to beat them. There's health issues. There's relational issues. I don't know if I could deal with all this. I've got all the power and authority in heaven and earth. And I'm with you till the end of the age. This is what we've got to remember. There's a tendency in all of us, just when we're most ready to do something good, we tend to focus on ourselves. 
to act as if we have the strength ourselves to do it, to lead the Christian life. And our problem is this continuous self-preoccupation that causes us to lose sight of something very important. The New Testament, Jesus Christ, never tells you to do anything for him without first basing that command on who you are and what you have. And when you lose sight of this, you become tied up and made ineffective. You become immobilized because you tend to forget what Jesus makes so clear. That the church, that you and I, in all the things that we've got to do, rests entirely on Christ and cannot accomplish anything apart from Him and His resurrection power. And this is the point then, that our Jesus expects nothing from us that He does not at the same time provide. All power in heaven and on earth with you. Therefore, go. You can attempt great things for God and never be a failure in His eyes. This is why we do church. This is why we do our life. This is why we do the Great Commission. Because the Great Commission is great. Not because the work is so great. But because Jesus is that great. Let's pray.